They say this is a big rich town I just come from the poet's part Bright light city life, I gotta make it This is where it goes down I just happen to come up hard Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Gary A. Swaby, and you're now listening to The Powercast. And uh, today we will be breaking down Power, Book 2, Season 2, Ghost, uh, Episode 10, and the episode is called Love and War. And I'm here with Mr. Richard Bailey Jr. How are you doing, Rich? Doing good, Gary. What's up, listeners and viewers? What's up, indeed? And I'm also here with Miss Dana Abercrombie. How are you doing, Dana? Hello, everyone. I'm excited. It was the final countdown. We made it. <laughs> we made it all the way to the, the finale. Like, I, I'm, I'm surprised we got here so fast. Like, I remember when the show, you know, first came back. But yeah, uh, this was the finale of the season. Very action-packed. Um, and yeah, we have lots of thoughts, lots of takeaways, and, you know, lots of... Uh, discussion to, to have about this and i'm sure you know you 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 people listening or watching um you you have a lot of thoughts about this also so please do you know hop in the video on youtube and and, and leave your comments and chime in let us know what you think uh you know you can also um you can also hit us up on ig or twitter or anywhere else you know that suits you but we definitely want to hear you know from the community uh what you guys thought of this finale because yeah it, a lot happened in this and uh and yeah there's probably uh i probably well, i know me personally i have good and bad points to to, to speak on about this but but yeah um uh, the way this works is we're going to get into our takeaways where each of us you know basically goes down our takeaways and our thoughts from this episode and then uh we're, we're going to get into a questions and discussion segment where we're going to kind of analyze things a bit more and, and have a bit, a, a bit of back and forth dialogue about, you know, what we thought of the finale and where we think the show is going next. Um, so, yeah. And also quick reminder, you know, the premiere of power book for force is also out today. And uh, we, we will have a, a, an episode for that also a separate episode. So look out for that too. But, but yeah, so, Let's get right to this week's takeaways segment for, you know, this finale. And uh, this week is actually uh, my turn to go first. So uh, let me get into my takeaways and then we can hear from, uh, you know, Mr. Richard Bailey and and Dana Abercrombie. So uh, firstly, um, I think uh, with with regards to the trial, um, it seemed like, you know, they, they got right into it. It seemed like they just wanted to get it out the way, kind of like, you know, it came and it went and it, it wrapped up very neatly for me. Um, I've watched like a lot of like, uh, and I've, like, I've watched a lot of um, legal shows, you know, American legal shows and and books also. Like, uh, I like I like John Grisham books. He's like a legal, uh, you know, novelist and stuff like I read a lot of his stuff and I feel like this, this, this trial, the way it wrapped up was just way too convenient. Like it was just, yeah, it was like way too easy. Um, of course you had the Braden thing. He came in, he basically took the rap for, you know, the whole course correct thing. Um, and you know, he, he, he protected Tariq pretty much. Um, and 
you know, that means Jenny, you know, her, her case kind of fell apart, you know, completely. And the judge basically dismissed the case. Um, so I wonder what that means because, you know, somebody, you know, somebody still did murder, you know, the, the officer and Jabari. So, I mean, are they still going to be looking into it or, or like, you know, uh, are, they, are they, are they planning to solve those murders or what, you know, but, um, but yeah, as far as now Tariq is officially dismissed and that case has, has gone away. Um, and yeah, I just, I just think it, it happened a bit too quickly, a bit too cleanly for my liking, but, you know, I understand where they're going with it. And um, I like that, you know, the end of this trial kind of brought more tension. Um, it brought tension between Tariq and uh, Davis clean. And then it also brought tension between Davis and Sachs, um, you know, because Sachs now, he isn't happy with kind of, with how certain things played out. And, uh, you know, he, he is kind of, uh, he's in a relationship with Jenny and uh, of course, he learned that, you know, Lauren actually, uh, you know, she she passed away in this episode. He learned that. And, um, you know, he thinks, you know, what what Davis did with regards to playing uh, Lauren's, you know, um, tape to Tariq that put her at jeopardy. And he doesn't like that. So I like that, you know, the I, I, I didn't like how the trial ended, but I like that now that it's over it sets up a lot of further tension between the characters for next season. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's one thing, uh, one takeaway there. Um, and I also loved seeing the returning characters in this episode. So of course we got Tasha, uh, we saw she was, you know, far away in a cabin somewhere. Um, and, you know, she actually got reunited with Yaz. Um, so Tariq, you know, he managed to set it up so that Yaz actually is able to go with Tasha and they can stay together. And uh, I think, you know, that makes sense. It makes sense to kind of, you know, do that, you know, that at least because um, then next season, you know, he kind of doesn't have to worry about Yaz anymore. That's not a plot point for him anymore. Um, and I guess that makes way for, for more, you know, pressing matters, more, you know, interesting possibilities for for the Tariq character if he doesn't have to worry about you know family so much um but yeah it was cool to see Tasha again I know uh I know Notori is is in other shows at the moment but it's cool that she can still come back and play Tasha and still do her thing and uh yeah she she's always done done a great job in that role so yeah uh that was good to see and then of course you had the return of Blanca Rodriguez Rodriguez, sorry. Um, and yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, I like how they tied it to to Dante slash Mecca. Um, and you know, I'm guessing that um in the moment when he was in his uh his apartment um and he made a call saying that I think my identity has been compromised, I'm guessing he called uh, you know, uh Blanca then. I get, I'm guessing that's who he called. Um, and then, yeah, she showed up after he was murdered and, uh, yeah, she, she saw the security cam footage and she saw Tariq and everything in the photo. So, so now it seems like, you know, she, she's, uh, she's going to be looking for Tariq next season. So I like that set up there. Um, and it's, you know, um, the benefits of having, you know, this, this history and this universe of power is that you can bring characters like that back and, 
it makes sense and you know it adds excitement you know so i like i like that they're able to do that um so that was cool um and yeah i'm very interested to see what she's going to be up to next season as well um and uh there's there's so much i could get to but i know you guys are going to have some great points so i'm not going to uh ramble too long here but the whole uh the whole <laughs> The whole Lorenzo killing Zeke was just hilarious. Like I, I was laughing. I was laughing throughout that whole sequence. Like, like is this guy for real? Like he really thinks this is Mecca. Like, like yeah. It just like it's something about the way he was walking to the plane. Like there's there's no way that's to connect. Like you, like connects have a certain mystique, a, a certain swag to them. Like he, it was just like way too easy, way too. Like, I can't believe he actually thought that he was, you know, killing Mecca at that moment. Like, and, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it's hilarious. And I guess, you know, this sets up because by the end of the episode, we see that the Tahada family, they've kind of come full circle. They're, they're, they're trying to act like a real family again. But for Monet, she's feeling like something's missing because Zeke is not at the table. Um, but, you know, Aside from that, it seems like they've fixed their issues and they're trying to, you know, uh, be cordial with one another. But then, you know, you have that lingering, um, you know, point that Lorenzo actually murdered Zeke now. And uh, yeah, Monet gets that phone call. So yeah, next season, we are going to see what we, basically what we thought was going to happen this season in, you know, Monet probably actually wanting to kill Lorenzo. Like that's probably going to be where this is going. Like the family is going to be split up again once you know she finds out that Lorenzo was was behind this. So uh, yeah, but that that was just hilarious. Like I wasn't expecting that kill, but um, it was just hilarious. And and now that I think about it, I don't think the character could have gone too much further anyway. Cause it's like now his basketball career is over. So what was he going to do next? You know? Um, and, you know, and he, he's, he, his age, like his, the whole thing with his age as well, kind of, I guess it kind of limits what he could do. Like he, he had to kind of leave school, I guess. I don't know. But, but yeah, there wasn't like too much more for, for Zeke. So I guess it makes sense um, that they would get rid of him. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was funny though. It was funny how it happened. But yeah, so that's my takeaways. And yeah, I can't wait to to hear from you guys now. So I guess I'm gonna pass it over to you, Mr. Richard Bailey Jr. I know you you're a very detail oriented guy, so I know you're gonna have some 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 very interesting stuff to say about this. So take it away. Yes, those are great takeaways, Gary. And I'm also looking forward to Dana's takeaways as well. So I have three main takeaways from this week. Um, the first one is the way that Mecca and Zeke's storyline played out. Uh, we're going to give a shout out to Dana because she predicted last week that Mecca is the probably probably the one that set up that horrible shootout. And we learned about that at the very end of the episode when he had his confession to Monet, when they were going back and forth and she held him at gunpoint. So, we see once again all the things he tried to do, because again he he has been sprung on Monet all this time, but yet the character in, itself was not uh, never would think that Monet would ever turn on him, and he paid for that in the end. Uh, he had this whole plan 
where Kane was going to kill Lorenzo. And I think it was silly of, silly of him to think that Kane would agree to that plan, knowing that a couple of episodes ago, Kane was behind him, you know, all of, you know, basically his whole operation getting robbed. So that was kind of silly. But um, yeah, he had this plan. Um, and instead, Monet decided that she was going to kill Mecca. Now, uh, I do agree with what Gary had to say. I was very glad to see Blanca return because that essentially sets up what's going to happen next season, and we'll get into that later. But um, it just, I have to say, as someone who has who has enjoyed Mecca's performance all of this season, very disappointed to see him go out like this because I felt like if the character was going to die, it should be in the blaze of glory. But I understand they wanted to tell this story how with Monet, this was, you know, she was the one that he was, he did everything for. So in the end, it made sense that he had to go out the way he had to go out. Plus he's a snitch. You know, you can't let a character who is a snitch survive for for too long. So it made sense. Um, one thing I do want to give them credit for though, uh, in, in regards to Mecca, before I jump to Zeke is that, you know, one of the main themes of power has always been about, oh, yeah, it's always the sons that are killing the fathers. So I thought it was an interesting twist that both the father and the son killed, got killed in this episode. So I give a shout out to them for, for putting that together. Um, as for Zeke, uh, as Gary, you alluded to, yes, we saw Zeke tried to make his escape on that plane and got shot up. Um, I do want to say that Diana is... You know, she is indirectly involved in this because they had that whole scene where she was talking with her father and he asked her, hey, did you look in that bag? You know what was in that bag? And just so happens that she did look in the bag. She told him what was in the bag and then that fueled his hatred to want to get to Mecca immediately. So without her knowing, she played a role in her brother, a.k.a. cousin getting killed as well. So I'm curious to see what the reaction will be next season. When everybody hears this news, we saw what Monet's reaction would be. We know what Lorenzo's is, but I'm curious to see how the kids are going to react to this news. So stay tuned for that. Uh, my second takeaway is about Tariq. I do agree with what you said, Gary. Yes, a lot of things tied up pretty nicely for Tariq in this episode. The case, I have to give them credit and say, listen, it made sense for them to end the case the way they did. And using Braden's signature as the president, of course, correct. That was excellent because I was wondering where they're going with that. So for them to bring that into play, and of course, it separates now Tariq from Braden because Braden has to go, you know, work at the hedge fund now. He's not on the campus anymore. So I'm pretty sure that we're going to see these two once again reunite next season and again continue working together. Even though Tariq told him at the end of this episode, no, I'm going to go down a different path. He can't do that now because Mecca's dead. He can't get access to that $2 million, so he still has to work with the Tejadas. So I don't have any problem with that. What I find interesting is we see Tariq's reaction to Lauren getting killed by a car accident, so to speak. Um, I, I You know... I feel like with power, I always thought, well, if you don't see a dead body, you can assume the person is still alive. But I don't really know if that's the case in this particular situation, because, you know, the way that the news was revealed through Jenny uh, and if Jenny is playing a sax, I mean, I have no idea, but I, I, I just have to assume the character is dead. So they need to explain that, that, you know, all of that next season. And I think that we just know that Effie is the one that played a role in all of this. Obviously. I think that Tariq and her are going to go through it next season. 
if when he does find out what really happened to Lauren. So I look forward to seeing that. But um, yeah, I, I, I was fine with how the case got dismissed. I was glad that he got Tasha to reunite with Yaz. That was great. Um, so I look forward to seeing what happens with that storyline. Yeah, I mean, there was some positive things that had to happen for Tariq. You know, he's still very much in a, in a dangerous situation. But uh, I'm glad, at least for the for the time being, the people who are fans of Tariq, they'll be happy to know that he got through this episode unscathed and he's ready to move forward. Uh, as for my final takeaway with uh, Kane Tejada, this was a big episode for him. Um, they made you think as a viewer that, oh, maybe he would consider killing Lorenzo, trying to play into all of this stuff. Because I, don't know, I know Courtney Kemp had a live earlier this week where she said Kane was going to have to make a big decision. I never doubted that he would that he would even kill his father, though. I mean, that's it's kind of an extreme. And yes, they alluded to the fact that Lorenzo had him beat up in jail last season. Yes. But I never thought for any second that he would actually pull the trigger. I mean, so glad to see how the plan played out. But what I will say is that what we learned in this episode is what we already knew about Kane. He's very jealous of Tariq because in the very beginning, when Monet told him the plan, she once again mentioned Tariq. Oh, yeah, you know, Tariq killed his father. And that was to basically say, yeah, Tariq is someone I can trust. He's reliable. Uh, so what are you going to do to get him to agree to do the plan? So I thought that was very interesting. Very, very interesting because, again, it shows that this character still easily jealous of Tariq. And then, of course, towards the end of this episode, you see the conversation starting between him and Tariq about Lauren. You know about Lauren. What's going on with Lauren? It didn't get to that point because they had to handle their business with uh, taking out Mecca's men. But very interesting because, you know, I feel like Tariq and, 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 and Kane are eventually going to have a showdown. They're saving that for another time, maybe next season. Who knows? But again, uh, very interesting things happening as far as Kane's character. And one last thing I will mention is that we did see last week that uh, basically Effie came to Kane and was talking to him about what was going on with Lauren. So I'm very curious to see what happens going into season three, because we know that Effie was also looking out for Kane as well. Um, and oh yeah, the one final thing I will mention too, the bag and the fact of they had a scene in this episode where Kane was talking to Mecca and Mecca was talking about, yes, if you agree or to my plan, you can take over my entire New York operation. He says, I have the proof in that bag. By the end of this episode, Tariq has the bag. So I don't know if that's going to be something where Tariq has some leverage going into season three. I mean, I don't know how they're going to tell that story. We know that Mecca, I'm going to say Kane wants to be in control. So he could hold that over his head. I mean, I don't know how they're going to, how they're going to tackle that. But again, Set up a lot of very interesting things going into season three. Uh, as Gary mentioned, uh, I do have some criticisms of this episode as well. We'll get into that later. But overall, I thought it did its job for a finale. They wrapped up a lot of things, and it made me curious to see what's going to happen uh, next season. So we'll see what happens. Awesome. Um, are you able to to explain why why your name is uh, Power Editing Team now? Uh, well, you, know, you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yes, I need to say this. So one thing about Courtney Kemp, when she does these lives, she normally talks about there are a lot of things we had to take out because of the editing. Okay, this episode, 
was about an hour and 10 minutes. When you include the credits, it was about almost like an hour and 12 minutes in like 30 seconds or something like that. Okay, that's fine. But the problem is that sometimes when they take out certain things, it's important stuff that should be in there. And there's no context about it, you know, later on. For example, and she said this on her live, and I would I would encourage people to go back and watch one of her past lives. The episode where Monet, it was revealed, she reveals to Lorenzo that Zeke is her child. And, you know, he has the, Lorenzo has the reaction of just, just get out. Courtney Kemp did say there was another conversation that happened between Lorenzo and Monet, where it was alluded to that Lorenzo was led to believe that Monet that 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 she that she was his first. So if you think about that in the context of why he had that reaction, it would make a hell of a lot more sense why he was so angry that she lied to him and she actually was messing around with Mecca. But see, you don't get that because they had to edit it out. And I understand Courtney Kemp said a lot of time when she writes stuff, she writes a lot of things, but they have to take it out for the for the for the purposes of the show. I understand that. But some things, I think, they really do need to think about going into season three if this is important and why it needs to be in there. And if it's not a full scene, at least make mention of it to some extent to give more context. So that's why I think it's appropriate. So as somebody who is now part of the editing team, I will do all that I can to make sure that season three uh, is a little bit better in that department. Because season two, a couple things. And then, of course, again, this is a fast-paced show. So many things happened, like we were talking about the heist episode, which was the best episode of the season. I'm pretty sure there was some stuff that was supposed to be in that episode that would have gave more context in certain areas, but they had to cut it down. And I understand that, but I'm just saying I hope that they are mindful of these things because people catch pick up on this stuff, and it's important to catch this stuff. So yeah. we'll see. And that's a really good point because it's like, there's there's probably actually other scenes that they could have cut because I mean like the the scene where uh, Uncle Frank's widow widower comes and and like that didn't really lead anywhere like mm-hmm. uh, it it added a bit more context maybe but like it didn't lead to any like you know outcome in the finale or anything so it's like you could have like spent more time like you could have added that scene that you talked about you know with Lorenzo and everything um, so. Yeah, like stuff like that is like if there's key information, you know, we need these scenes to be in there because it just, you know, it just validates these these plot points even more. Um, and and you know, I've been saying this for years, but I really think Power needs twelve episodes. Like they need more than ten episodes. Like because some of these episodes, it's like they're rushing through things, like literally. Um, yeah, it, it, and I and I would say I would have appreciated if the finale was ninety minutes instead of. Uh, the hour and 10 minutes. I I've, I've, I mean, I think they did this before with the past show where it was the same amount of time, but it's like, I mean, you don't have to worry about commercials. Uh, I, I, I don't know why it's not, especially for the finale. Like people are not going to see the show again. The show is supposed to come back as of today. This date might change November 20th of 2022. That's when it's supposed to return for season three, according to IMBD. So I don't know if that date's going to change, but um. Yeah, I, I just I wish that they mindful of this stuff. And I can't wait to see what Courtney Kemp says that she cut out because uh, she is probably going to mention some stuff that got cut out. Uh, even the stuff with Lauren, like if the character is truly dead. We probably should have gotten something, something else to reveal that information in this episode. 
aside from Jenny just telling Sax, oh, yeah, Lauren's dead. That's why I say I have a problem with that. And if the character is still alive and they somehow have some some storyline next season, okay, that's fine. That's great. But some of this stuff, you definitely have to find a way to get it in there one way or another. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Yeah, some great points there, you know, in your takeaways as well. So, yeah, thanks for that. Uh, We're going to shift over to Miss Dana Abercrombie now. So, uh, Dana, hit us with your takeaways from the finale. Okay, so today's episode was called Love and War, which was basically we've seen throughout. We had to choose which side is going to be on whom, family was falling apart, what was going on. I will say this. This show did a really great job of keeping me guessing. I didn't know who was going to cross whom. I didn't know what was going to really go down because, you know, the whole I think of the three card Monty that was being mentioned, you know, you don't know where the card is because remember all we're seeing is just one side. We, we, we don't know what's really going on in each other's minds. So I think they did a really great job of, of establishing that not necessarily confusion, but just not having all the answers and knowing whether or not we should take things at face value. So I really appreciate that. Um, my biggest thing here was that, you know, there were some things that kind of ended very conveniently. And then there were a lot of things where they set up more so for season three to bring into the fold. And I was like, oh, what's going on? So I think they did a really great job of ending, you know, balancing out what's to come for the next season and let's ending some storylines while we were leaving some storylines open, you know, for everyone to continue, but to get as many answers as they need possible. Uh, one of the things that really kind of, you know, um, was Zeke, his character, we all know that he struggled with finding out his real identity and his age. So double blow for him. But at the end of the day, he picked family. He decided to go on that plane he wanted to, to make things, you know, anew and to, to see what they can bring. And there was new hope and opportunity. And I don't even though he got the car, you know, he's like, here, take my car. You know, that was to set up him dying later on in a mistaken identity. But I really felt that he felt there was going to be some kind of connection there. And, yes, it's really nice to have all of the, the cars and the planes. But I think he was looking forward to a new life and a fresh start, which was kind of weird because at the, remember at the, there was part where after he went to Kevin and he found out that, yeah, my mom was in the, was in the, the, the car and that she was on the same block and he covered for his mother, you know, even though that pain of knowing that she killed him, he was still there to say, let's try to work things out. Um, I think they did a really great, choice again with the music uh when he was going into the car to go back home there was like this very solemn music that basically said you know i'm on my knees i'm I'm, essentially i have nothing else to lose what else can you take from me and i really felt that that was kind of his mindset he you know he's young he lost the love of his life he lost his his Basically, everything that he known who his mother is is not his mother. He has this new opportunity to kind of meet his new family. And so it kind of was an opportunity for fresh start and fresh beginnings. And then he died so sadly. But, you know, um, the thing about his death made me wonder, yes, Lorenzo 
not Lorenzo. Um, yes, Lorenzo always had kind of an issue with um, the kid. And so I'm not saying he did it intentionally. No, he did not. I truly really believe that he thought that was Mecca. But in all honesty, even though when it was at the dinner table, I didn't think he had regret. I think it was, I'm sad that I had to do this. Not even had to do this because it was accident. But I'm sad that it happened. Let's move on. You know, it was because technically he never really treated him like, you know, the, 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 the cousin son. You know, some families are really close. So like, even though that's the cousin, you're just like one of my kids. You're one of my boys. He was all like, oh, what is he doing here? So I feel that he wasn't necessarily regretful, but he was like, OK, whatever. I feel sad that Monet is sad about this. I wonder what the blowback is going to be. And I especially felt sad for Monet. Even though she didn't show much emotion, I felt sad for her because everything is finally revealed. Everything's out and open. You have the opportunity to kind of live your truth. And the kid's dead. So that was kind of like a really sad moment. And then we had that moment where he actually acknowledged herself as being his mother. As as Gary and I was talking previously, when he was speaking, when Kevin called up the house, you know, can I have the, the guardian of the house? He's like, I'm the mother. So, yeah. Yeah, that was Richard that brought that up, I believe. That was Richard. Oh, sorry. So, Richard, um, yeah, he did. you did a great job bringing that up as well. Because, you know, she acknowledged everything that happened. She's taking responsibility, you could even say. She's not continuing with the lies. It's like, oh, I'm the, the cousin, sister, brother. Nope, I'm that kid's mama. So I really appreciated that. Um, another thing as well, Brayden. What Brayden did was very commendable. Yay for Brayden. This is why I keep telling people, you need that privileged white friend. Someone who you know when you're in trouble can come to and be like, I need some help. And they can use that privilege. And they can get you out of sticky situations. Because at the end of the day, while other people especially black men, black boys would have admitted to what he admitted to, immediately he would be going to jail. Lock him right up. And he was able to stroll out the courtroom. You know, his father was like, I'm very disappointed with you. You're an idiot. And then he was like, well, I have to go work at the corporate firm now. Well, life is so sad. But if that was a black kid, we all know under the jail, it's probably for life. So really great job with that. Yay, Braden. But it also makes me wonder about Trace. Trace, as we already know, is a loose wire. And once Kane finds out all the information that Trace knows, you do know that he's dead. So I wonder if this new environment that we see in season three, with probably him being in the corporate world, if we will see Trace again. And will we see him having to protect Trace or will he have to kind of let Trace go and have him make his own choices and maybe that will result in his death? Um, but either way, Trace is crazy, so we need to do something with Trace. Um, one last thing I do want to mention is that the whole Mecca situation of being murdered, um, I liked and I disliked it. I liked the fact that it felt that Mecca was pressuring Monet, and she was pressured throughout this whole season. 
And especially with this, it was like, you know, your husband is this, your, 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 your son don't like you, your husband don't like you, Diana don't like you, your whole family can't stand you, just come with me. And even though he said that he will accept the kids and everything, it kind of just felt like it was really separatist. Like he technically really wanted to just run away with Monet and Zeke because Zeke was his son. And the pressure of was just too much overall. I felt that it would be a very controlling relationship. And I understand that he was able they have each other, had their space and stuff, but it was very much like, you know, once you're with me, you don't need anything else. You don't have to do anything else. And it was kind of stifling. And I really felt that it was a choice between being stifled with Lorenzo or being stifled with Mecca. Um, and so I think that she chose something that was more familiar with her. Something that, yes, you can say, you have to argue and say, maybe eventually they'll have to kill Lorenzo. But this was something that, you know, she chose family over I don't want to say a fling, but, you know, it was a relationship that was over 24 years ago. So I think that she kind of made the right decision in that regard. And even though she still looked grumpy at the end of the day, I think it was just something that worked. Her family, for whatever small amount that they have together, is still together. So facade or not, everyone for that one moment can be happy. And I appreciate that she made that decision. And I'm less mad at it because, you know, we all wanted the whole weird fantasy. She's running off with another man and all oh, she's going to hunt her down. But no, at the end of the day, most common sense was just to stay. And so I liked how they grounded that in reality. And that's not going to stop her from being herself. Um, maybe have argues arguments within the family, but that's just regular family. Another thing really quickly was the fact that we all know that, that Lorenzo was being protected and the whole goal was not to kill Lorenzo but the whole thing with Tariq how he really stepped up to the plate with Kane and talked to him about not killing Lorenzo when he was in that warehouse and the fact that it seemed like it was genuine like Tariq was getting something off of his chest when he kept talking about you know you're not ready for this the weight you will have to carry and we do know that throughout the whole season how he was tormented from his decision from killing his father we saw that you know the whole dream sequence of everyone dead and he he doesn't want that for Kane and in that one little small moment I really felt that he cared about Kane's sanity and was just like, you know, don't do this. Here's why. Please don't do this. And even though he was setting him up for something else, I just felt that it was something that Tariq needed to get off his chest. And I liked how they included that scene um, and made it very genuine. So that's kind of everything that I have to kind of say about that. But also they set up a lot of things for not just season three, but for power influence that I appreciate. Oh yeah, yeah. Lots of uh, setup. Um, yeah, great takeaways. Um, a lot of that stuff. We we are about to get to a lot of uh, things that you mentioned. Um, and there was a point about Braden, you you uh, and Trace. You brought up that you know I've kind of added to uh, the discussion segment now. So we we're, we're gonna get into that also. Um, but yeah, great takeaways from both of you. Um, and uh yeah so so dana just uh real quick your your name the door that's never locked that was a reference to uh 
<laughs> to the moment when Kane showed up, right? And and he, uh, Kane was walked in and was like, "Oh, y'all never lock in this door, you dum dums." You know, <laughs> that's All true. Dumb and dumber. After yeah. everything, Mecco literally walked in with a gun, ready <laughs> to kill everyone. The door is not locked. Yeah, that that campus is a security nightmare, for real. But um, yeah. <laughs> So let's get to uh, our questions uh, and discussion segment. But real quick, I just want to give a reminder to everyone, you know, watching or listening, um, please, you know, consider, you know, engaging with the show, leave your comments, you know, hit the like button and also consider subscribing to the channel as well. You know, if you enjoy the content that we are putting out um, as for Powercast specifically, we're going to be here for a while because, you know, Power Force is here. And we will be covering that show extensively. Uh, when Raising Canaan comes back, we'll be covering that. And then, you know, book two, the cycle begins. You know, whenever Influence comes out, that too. You know, so we're going to be here for a while. So if you like this, please can please do consider subscribing. And, you know, we do cover a lot of other, you know, popular shows as well that you might like. So, yeah, definitely uh, consider subscribing to the channel. And, um, you know, big shouts to all of our audio podcast listeners you know the people who listen specifically on spotify apple music amazon you know wherever you listen to podcasts you know we appreciate you all also but uh yeah so let's get into our questions and discussions because this is gonna this is definitely gonna be juicy you know finale and everything and then i'm sure we got a lot of thoughts about where what we're gonna see in, in season three so the first thing i'm gonna start with here um is um, so Lauren, the, the Lauren thing, obviously, you know, it, it hit Tariq differently in this episode. Like he was re- very bothered by it. And you could see that, you know, several times throughout the episode, he was kind of dealing with it in his head, particularly the moment where, um, him and Kane are at the, the Lorenzo, uh, deal, the warehouse or wherever it was. And like, you know, um, Tariq is kind of thinking in his head, like he's, he, it's like he's considering hurting Kane because he believes Kane is the one that probably did something to Lauren. But um, I guess he kind of rationalizes it in his head a little bit. Um, but yeah, he that the, the Lauren death definitely kind of hurt Tariq a little bit. And you know, we see he has a moment with Effie as well where he's kind of speaking about it. Um, so I want to ask you guys like, what is Tariq's reaction going to be when he finds out the truth about this? Like, cause I feel like he might actually find out the truth that, you know, Effie was the one to uh, kind of handle the situation because, you know, we didn't, I don't, we didn't see him ask Brayden about it. I don't think unless I'm forgetting. Um, did we, did he, did he confront Brayden? Well, he didn't confront her about, Oh, she's dead. It was more, did you get the, you like, did you drive Lauren, yeah. you know, did you get her out of town? And he was like, after he found out she was dead, did he did he ask him then? No, no, no. no After he yeah. found out that she was dead, he you know he was very upset, mm. and and but he did not go to Brayden to it. He went to um, Effie right. immediately. Yeah. yeah so I, I think he'll he, he he'll probably like have a moment where he asks Brayden about it, and then he could potentially bring up Effie, you know, and then that will you know that will cause uh that will open up a can of worms. He'll like Tariq is gonna be very angry so the question is basically what do you think 
Tariq's reaction is going to be when he finds out Effie's involvement, if he does. And could you see him, you know, perhaps harming Effie in some way as a mean, as a way to get back to her, to get back at her? Um, so I'll go to you first, Dana. What do you think? What's Tariq's reaction going to be? I still don't think she's dead. I'm sorry. I, I cannot find it in my, I've searched my guts and everything else. I don't believe that she's dead. Um, a convenient car accident with nobody. Uh, so just to say that if she is dead, fine. Um, I think that he is obviously going to be very upset about this. He obviously is going to confront everybody that he can. I don't immediately see him thinking that it's Brayden. Um, I do feel that this is going to be something involving Kane, but once he finds out the whole thing with Effie, um, I, obviously they're going to break up. Um, but I do see it. I don't think he's going to kill Effie in any way. I think it's going to be a very angry and loud argument, but I can't see him actually killing her over this. Um, they share a lot of, there's a lot of shared history between the two of them. I know going back what Courtney Kemp said during her live that um, Effie never had a body on her. So if she did kill Lauren, this would be her first kill. And I wonder more so how she would take that and what would go on. What, ha- what happens if she's the one who confesses to him? I don't think that will happen either, but it, that can easily be something that happens. But I still 1000% don't really feel that she's she was murdered. I don't feel like she was dead. What if she actually did get into a car accident? It happens. <laughs> I mean, how many times have people fled something and oh, they're dead? Car accidents do happen. But I did. It look look did look really interesting to see Effie was the one that was like Braden is not going to do it. So I'm the one who has to step up to the plate. But the fact that. I don't know how hard she really is. You can always talk a good, a good game, but when it comes to actually killing someone, and she kind of liked Lauren. She called her snobby and stuck up, but it was never a hatred there. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you, you, when they don't show you the body, you can always make that argument that the person, you know, is not dead, and like, you know, I could I could, in, in some kind of universe, I can imagine, you know, a scene where, like, you know, Effie and Lauren are, you know, they're in the car and, and Lauren's kind of pleading her case and saying, you don't have to kill me, you know, just bring me somewhere and I, I won't say anything, you know. Um, but I don't know. Uh, that. But for based on what they're telling us, it seems like Lauren is dead. And, uh, you know, um, if that's the case, yeah, I, I really want to know how Tariq is going to react because he seemed very bothered by by this, you know, throughout this episode. And he well, remember he's upset because he does not want her to become another Reina. Yeah, and exactly. that took it. That took him very, very hard. He took that death. Um. Mm-hmm. So he is also feels like he's at fault. Yeah, in general. everyone everyone around him dies, you know. So uh-huh. yeah. He, yeah, he's he's feeling that, and I like how they they tied that back to his history as well. Like that feeling of, you know, all the all the people I care about, they always end up dying or getting hurt in some way. So I like how they tied that together. But yeah, um, what about you, Rich? What do you see happening when Tariq possibly finds out, you know, that Effie was involved in 
Lauren's disappearance. Well, before I get to that, uh, I'm going to give my thought about how that situation will play out. But 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 there is something else to worth mentioning, and that is that um, we have to go back to when Tariq found out this information and that Sachs is the one that told him this. But in that same conversation, he asked him, so maybe your friend Kane, did your friend, was your friend Kane involved? And right after he said that, he just went to Reek left. So I kind of feel like uh, just to, to stay on Sachs for a minute. In this same episode, when Tariq was brought to the witness protection, you know, to, he got a chance to see Tasha uh, briefly from inside the car, Sax is the same one that told him Dante Spears, if it wasn't for Dante Spears, you know, doing what he did, we would have never, they would have never investigated ghosts. So it's kind of like Sax is, without maybe realizing it, he is playing a role in Tariq doing things that ends up getting these people killed. Because I'll be very curious to know what's going to happen next season when Dante does end up dead and then they find out about it. They're going to be like, well, first and foremost, I had no idea he was back. You know, Sachs could say, I had no idea he was back, but wait a second, Tariq. I remember talking to Tariq about this guy. So it's going to look suspicious. So I'm just going to say, you know, Sachs doesn't really, may not really be fully aware of what he's doing. But when he gives these intel to Tariq, and then people that Tariq knows ends up getting killed afterward, afterward, that looks very suspicious. So I just want to make a comment about that. So to go back to what you're saying now, though, um, I feel like he's going to immediately suspect Kane. This is why he questioned Kane when they was about to go and, and help out Lorenzo. He questioned Kane and what he knew about Lauren. So I think how it's going to play out next season is he's going to go after Kane. He's going to try to get him to really answer that question. And maybe because he still has the bag that Mecca had, hold that bag hostage because, you know, Kane still wanted whatever was in that bag. There's other, there's more to that bag, I think, in the diamond or all that stuff. There's a lot more to that that they only really scratch the surface on. So I kind of feel like he will, he could hold that against him. But the interesting thing about all of this is that we saw in the episode, the previous episode where Effie decided that she was going to confront Kane and tell him what was going on about Lauren and why he was, why she was concerned about that situation. Okay. So I kind of think, you know, Effie looks at Kane and she said in this episode, I believe she looks at the Tejadas as their client. They're working for them right now. So obviously if she feels something bad could happen to them, she's going to try to prevent that from happening. So when she sees that Tariq is pushing up on Kane, maybe he has a plan to take out Kane it's going to be a situation where she's going to have to choose. Are you going to continue to work with Kane and try to save him or give him a heads up? Or are you going to side with Tariq knowing that you are the one that actually took out Lauren? That's why I said it's very smart, very interesting dynamic and very complex because it can go in multiple different ways as far as how they, how that whole situation plays out. But I think at, in the very beginning, yes, Tariq is going to suspect Kane. And then eventually he'll question Braden and eventually he'll get to Effie. As far as how the reaction will be once he finds out that Effie is involved, it's going to be complicated. I don't know if he's going to kick her to the curb. I do believe Dana made a great point that they could break up. Yes. Or what's probably going to end up happening is that Tariq is going to start messing around with Diana again. And again, what they established this season is that Diana and Effie, they were getting to be pretty close. 
So we haven't, we didn't see the fallout yet of them finding out that Tariq is messing around with both of them. That's going to happen next season, and that may propel this thing further. And who knows? Maybe Effie will start messing around with Kane, and it gets messy like that. But I'm telling you right now, it's I don't really think it's going to be just a, a, a quick resolution to this. This is probably going to play out all of next season in terms of what happens. But uh, he's definitely going to start with Kane and work his way down, asking all of them if they were involved in this. I think that's that that's a given, if I had to make a guess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh he's uh and and like you said, I do think he'll he'll start with Kane. He probably still suspects him. Um, so he'll start with Kane and then go down the line. You know, he might go back to Braden and ask him what really happened that night when you mm-hmm. dropped Lauren and you know, and then, you know, if Braden gives up the, the the true answer, then yeah, then that's when he's gonna uh be on to Effie. But yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, how he how he carries that in, in the next season. Cause I don't think he's going to let go of that so easily, especially when, you know, he keeps losing people, you know, now he doesn't have Yaz um, because he's, he's chosen to give her up to, to his mother. Um, so like, you know, the, the list of people who are like good, honest people in his life is like dwindling. And like, he's just consumed by, you know, the street people, you know, the criminals and stuff. So I think that's going to leave him very bitter away you know he's going to be looking for answers um on this this lauren thing um but yeah great points i think, I think dana had a point she was she was going to make yeah oh, go ahead dana yeah i wanted to make a point that you brought up yasmin and you said oh he lost yasmin no he did not he did not lose Yasmin. He won Yasmin. And that is the thing that can actually ground Tariq and prevent him from turning into his father. And remember, he kept saying, I am not my father. I do not want to turn into him. And the fact that he went and they went and got Yasmin to be with her mother, mother, and he was in the car and he couldn't come out the car, but he was like, oh, God, I love you. Painting, you know, feeling up on the glass. He has a purpose and a reason to not turn. And he kept saying, all I need is a two million and I'm done. So my thing is, I believe that this is the one thing that can ground them and keep them from being like, screw the whole world and go on like a big blitz of cocaine and killing. So I, I think that this is actually a plus. Yeah. Yeah. Like when, when I say uh, he lost Yaz, I don't mean like... um like I just mean like you know he she's not around him anymore like so he doesn't have like that positive person that positive innocent person kind of in his life like, no but the thing is to return to that positive innocent person of course like that's that's the end goal of course like he wants to he wants to get back to his mother and yes that's like his end game kind of thing but for the moment like while he's still you know at Cho uh, uh, at Stansfield and everything you know. He he doesn't have that in his life at that moment. So, uh, oh, I wonder who's his new roommate. Question. Oh yeah, he needs a new roommate now, right? It's pretty much Effie. Like she's just like, is, does she even go to that school? Because she's just like hanging around there the whole time. <laughs> but um, she does. Does she? Remember, there was a whole thing about oh, these. She doesn't. The thing is, he wants her to go to the school because remember, they was like, oh, there's a really great tech department. 
and he yeah. was tired and she was tired of always going back and forth between New Haven and New York City. And see that it's it's almost like he's trying to mold her into Lauren now, like like he because he I guess he's missing that that you know because that's what Lauren represented like that pure innocent person that's not connected to the life. So it's like you know he he's kind of trying to push Effie in that direction, but I don't think that's, that's in her. I don't see that because she is in the direction. But She's Diana, the one who's guiding him better than he's guiding himself. Yeah, Diana could end up being being that though because she wants to go to school. How about we do something that Courtney Kemp said she always wanted to do with, and let Freak love himself. <laughs> Stop placing him with a woman. <laughs> Work on yourself. Love yourself. I think I think a lot of the point of the show is he doesn't love himself because you know he had to kill his father. I think that scars him, you know, it's eternally. And he where... has to work on finding the love. He has to he has to heal. Let him heal yeah, by that's... himself. I agree. That's part of the story. You know, he has to. He he does have to do that. But um, but yeah, please do chime in on that. You know, listeners. Um, let's uh, move on to another, you know, question here. So uh, let's get to Kane real quick. So, you know, Kane, as for as long as we've known him, he's been, you know, one of the main people wanting power. Um, but there's always other people in his path from, you know, Tariq to his mother, Monet, to Lorenzo, to Mecca. Like, there's always, you know, people ahead of him. And he can never really be that one true dominant power, you know, in the show. So, um, you know, I, I wanted to ask, like, you know, based on how things have gone here, you know, we see throughout this episode, Monet is kind of, she's kind of like playing him to a degree because she's not telling him the true nature of her plans. Like, and she's kind of forcing him into this, you know, um, this false, uh, you know, premise of he he needs to kill his father and stuff like that um so it's like he he's he's being manipulated in a sense so i want to ask you guys do you think kane will ever be his own man um or will he always you know kind of be left um tailing behind monet and to some degree lorenzo and then you know um also another part of that is drew because we know that um, Lorenzo wanted Drew to, to to kind of step up and be the lead. So, uh, what do you see for Kane? You know, in in this next season, we're about to to get into. So, I'm going to go to you first, Rich. What do you what do you think about that? So, that's a very good question. Uh, I kind of feel like because of how it ended, in the fact that then now they have no connect, it's like. It really poses the you know the possibilities to see okay so who is going to help to get the next connect obviously Lorenzo is the, is taking over you know with the family he's going to feel as though it's his responsibility to do this make up his connections and get into that um, and maybe when you mentioned uh, Evelyn uh, earlier how the fact that you probably didn't think that scene was necessary maybe that's somebody who they intentionally to try to work with now with uh, Frank's people. I mean, I, I have no, I have no idea how that's going to go down. Um, but it, as far as Kane is concerned, it, it feels like to me going into the next season, we Kane's weakness for me. Yes. He's a hothead. He did some things in this season that were pretty smart 
as far as thinking about a plan, but eventually they got all figured out. But normally he's always a hothead. But, but, but to me, the weakness to him is Tariq. Because anytime he hears any mention of Tariq, and especially if Monet mentions anything that Tariq does that is that she is is uh, is approving of, that is what really makes him feel a certain type of way. You saw that in this episode how his tone completely changed when he found out, oh, Tariq killed his dad. Oh, so I could do the same thing if I have to, for sure now, because I'm not Tariq is not going to get a one up on me. So that's what I kind of feel like. Um, that's going to continue to be an issue for him moving forward, going into season three. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, it kind of felt like he, 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 he had, I would say he found some footing in this season because he knew that he had to connect. He made it so that he was the one that was looked upon as important, even for just the half the season, they were looking, they were relying on him to get the product and do all this other stuff. So the question now is, Lorenzo's going to have to ask himself going into the next season is, you know, I feel like this thing between Drew and Kane, they can work together, but he's going to have to establish is Drew still the one that you want to be your successor or will you give Kane an opportunity to step up now? And we didn't really see at the end of all of this, you know, obviously Lorenzo was glad, you know, he knew that Kane wouldn't turn on him. But I didn't really feel to me at the end of this like he would just turn around and say, okay, Kane, you know what? You was right now. I'll make you my number two. It didn't feel like that at the end of this season. So I kind of feel like that struggle is still going to continue going into next season. But do I think that Kane could eventually become his own man and, and, and branch on his own? Absolutely. But again, it really depends on how he deals with the other relationships he has going on, whether it be with Drew, whether it be with his father, or whether it be with Tariq. If he does not get an understanding and control of that, then I feel like he will always be held held back for that reason. Yeah. Yeah, excellent point. So, Dana, do you have uh, anything to say to that regarding Kane and, you know, if you think... Yes, here's the thing. Yes, here's the thing. Uh, if we look at this episode, I don't think he likes either men in, in his life. Or who were in his life. The whole situation with Mecca, remember it was like, oh, you have to do this and this and this, and then you can prove to me that you're good enough. Even though I lied to you and tricked you this entire time, you still have to prove it to me. Then when you have his dad, his dad is basically calling him a hothead and too dumb and that he can't, you know, be the number one guy because he doesn't trust him. And I think even after this whole situation, just in general, um, Lorenzo does not or cannot trust anyone, especially with this whole thing that has went down between Zeke and Monet and baby mama drama and the number of who at the ages and finding out that Mo- that it was actually Monet who was in, in a relationship with both of them at the same time. I really, in that, you know, throughout the whole time, he didn't know whether or not he can trust anyone. I really feel that you know, it was just a mess in that regards. And for Kane, the best thing for Kane to do is to walk away and start something himself. And this is when I wonder if he'll team with Tariq. Even though you may not like Tariq, they're able to work together. Yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, it seems like they, like, even at the end of the first season, it seemed like, you know, they were kind of teaming up in a sense, like with the whole Jabari thing and it. Um, so, yeah, it seems like there's always instances of, of the two of them having to work together and needing each other. But at the same time, 
they have that rivalry, that animosity towards each other as well. So I think, you know, uh, eventually they they are going to, you know, play into that and have these two kind of like go head to head for real, for real. Um, but yeah, Kane, um, he he he's definitely like a, a troubled soul a little bit because I, I, I do think he wants to he wants to put his family on his back. You know, he wants to be the man. He wants to be the one that, you know, is is calling the shots and, and making all the plays. But he's just constantly, you know, knocked back, you know, by, you know, Monet or his father or whatever. And I think that kind of messes with his confidence a little bit. So I would like to see them delve deeper into that, into Kane's psyche um, in the next, you know, season and kind of uh, tell, you know, maybe like a little touching story about that, about Kane and, you know, how he, you know, how he struggles for, you know, to feel um, adequate to, you know, Monet and, and everyone else in his life. So um, they could do some some pretty cool stuff with that, I think. Um, and then also play on, touch on that rivalry with Tariq. Go ahead, Dana. Now that Zeke is dead, I wonder how it changed the dynamics of, <clears throat> you know, people who are in charge you know, you, you have Drew. How will Zeke's death affect Drew? Drew's kind of been kept out of the loop, you know, in in a he's been protected still. Even though he's had to do deals and he made his first kill and he was really happy about that. I still feel that he has a lot to grow and to learn. And he, as we know, is not as gritty as Kane. And so I wonder how that is going to affect him once Zeke is dead once he knows that Zeke is dead um especially with order of situations you know he, he wasn't anyone who was outright angry or even happy about the revelations with the family um he seems to be a guy who maybe could uh, internalize a lot of things you know we have the comparison to the godfather so he doesn't outright um act and wear his emotions on his sleeve but I wonder what's going on in the internal part of what he's thinking and how that affects him going forward and how he moves um, Kane again you would argue and say not necessarily natural leadership but he is more of the person who will things even if it's wrong but he'll confront things right out so I wonder if on each other if you go back with this episode as well remember Drew almost died and it wasn't until Kane saved him. Remember that huge beat out that he had in the middle of after he saw Everett? And then Everett, on top of that, he's still alive. And he's still got questions and he's still being nosy. So we need to get rid of Everett. And the fact that no one has gotten rid of Everett yet, despite everyone saying, please kill Everett. They've been too distracted. He's still alive. So will Kane be the one who will take him out and that'll impact it? Yeah, go ahead, Rich. I just was going to say, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I actually thought that Everett was the one that was going to get killed in this episode, and then he didn't. So, But the problem is that Everett saw, you know, once the Zeke's death gets out, Everett will definitely question, oh, so Drew, is your family involved in this? Or did, you know, because again, in this episode, you did see that Drew and Diana, they finally got caught. And Tariq found out, obviously, yes, they stole from me. But the other thing is that, you know, you had a situation where Everett found out, oh, yeah, uh, so you, so, so Drew stole my card to get access to that building. So now already 
he doesn't really he has an issue trusting Drew. When he finds out that Zeke got killed, you think he he's not going to question him about that? So I kind of feel like that's a uh, that's a sign, and, and Everett might not be might not be around for long in season three, depending on what happens. But I definitely think he's going to. I think Dana made a great point that uh, he may slip up and say something, and then Kane may have to take him out if 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 Drew Drew doesn't. Or they are going to definitely at least revisit that conversation about Drew. Why didn't you still take him out? So we'll get an answer to that, I think, for sure next season, because the Zeke thing is a big deal for other people who know Zeke, and it is going to be impacting uh, on the whole family in one way or another. So we'll see how it plays out. Yep. Yeah. Great points from both of you. Like you know, on the everything, he's he's still alive. You know, um, I thought, you know, he was going to end up dead in this episode, but, you know, he's still still living. And I, I could definitely see, you know, this that that conversation coming up again of, um, you know, doing something about Everett. Um, and maybe, you know, like you said, he's going to talk again and then there will be a need for Kane to take matters into his own hand. Um, and I, I definitely would like to see them play on the the the. the the bro- uh, brotherly rivalry between Kane and, and Drew a bit more. And because um, what we've seen a lot of in, in this season is, and in the first season is, um, you know, we see a lot of the fact that, you know, K- uh, Drew isn't as, you know, maybe he's not as tough and he's not as, you know, uh, maybe street smart as Kane is. So he, so Kane often ends up having to save him. But what I would like to see um, in the next season is like, let there be some instances where uh, where maybe like they have to go and negotiate with someone on the streets or something. And then Drew shows that he's better at that than Kane is or something like just to kind of, you know, play into that rivalry a bit more and show that Drew also has his strengths and and Kane, you know, maybe he feels like he has to rise to the occasion and work on himself to kind of match Drew. Like I would like to see, you know, some of that. So go ahead, Dana. No, just kind of piggyback on how you thought that Everett was going to die this episode. When he said, I love you, I was like, that's it. All you're going <laughs> to see is brain matter flying back, and he's going to die. <laughs> it's going to be sad. But, yeah, um, my thing also is it's gotten to the point where I kind of feel that um, Drew himself knows that Everett might have to die just in general of how I don't want to say he's kind of annoying at this point where his questionings doesn't seem like it comes out of care and concern, but out of just plain nosiness as well. Um, And even though he's not someone who's going to run around and gossip and tell everyone everything, just the sheer nosiness will still get, get you too much. Cause if you remember, and I believe it was casino, I'm getting them all mixed up. It was either casino or Godfather not Godfather, God, Goodfellas. Remember, they killed the the woman and the wife because they kept gossiping to each other. So that's what it reminded me of. It was in one of the Godfathers, either Goodfella or Casino. But they killed. It was a husband they killed, and then they had to kill the wife. I'm like, why did you kill the wife? Because all she did was this. She just kept talking, even though it was to the husband. She knew all the information either way. So that's what I view Everett. He is just a chatterbox. Oh yeah, he's definitely nosy. Definitely asks too many questions. So, some something is going to have to, you know, be done about that sooner or later. Um, but Rich, did you have anything more to add to that? 
before we uh, move on. Oh no, I agree. Something is going to have to be done uh, with, with with Everett sooner or later. Um, and that and and I'll be very curious to see how that death impacts Drew's relationship with Kane, especially if Kane is involved in uh, taking him out because Drew Drew couldn't take him out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you know, since we're we're, we're on the Tahada family, you know, um, so thinking specifically about you know Tariq and the Tahada family, you know, as we move into season three. Do you feel like um, Tariq and the Tahadas need each other um, like more now than than ever? Like, do these, you know, do, do, does Monet still need to rely heavily on Tariq? Do you think? Um, I think Mo, you know Lorenzo is probably going to have different ideas of what they should be doing as a family because you know he was never really hot on the whole Tariq, you know, um, side of the business anyway, but. You know, they there is a lot of shared secrets and shared interests between you know Tariq and the Tahada. So, you know, moving forward, you see them needing, continuing to need each other, and you know, needing to 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 work together on certain things. So, um, what do you think about that, Dana? Do you think that's going to be you know a common theme that we see again in in the next season? Well, yeah, because remember at the very end, the whole conversation between Tariq and Monet was like, you know, please respect me. I want to get out of the game. Just make sure you got my $2 million. And he didn't get his $2 million. And it was basically, you know, an unsaid thing. Well, I guess I'll just be seeing you again if I don't have my money. So they will be working. The thing is, is that Lorenzo, you know, he is a very prideful man. He does not want any other man taking care of his family. Even if it's just making deals with Tariq, I feel that he does not, he does not like Tariq, point blank here. Um, but I do think that they will be working again. And plus, Tariq needs his $2 million. Uh, course Correct is dead. So how else is he going to to do that? Start making some new connections with Brayden? Maybe? I don't know. Remember that whole Stein thing? Stein is pretty ruthless and, and not someone you could trust either. But they will need each other. I feel the Tejadas and, and Tariq, definitely. Also, on top of that, remember Kane is forever tied to Tariq. He, they know too much information on each other. Um, even though you cannot, what was it, double jeopardy, you, which means you can't prosecute Tariq for the same crime twice because the person is already dead. Um I do feel that because of what um, McLean knows and the fact that they're trying to, we'll get to the end in part, but they're trying to take him down. Okay. Um, that will spill into Tariq and Kane and their business together. And they will definitely need each other in that regard. So this is not the end. It's just the, the beginning of a beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, great points. Um, what about you, Rich? What do you think about uh, Tariq and the Tahadas? Because I know Tariq, he wants out the game, but, you know, um, I don't think we, I, the way things ended, I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. No. So no. what do you, what do you think about that? Are they going to need each other a lot more now? I agree hundred percent. Yes, they will. And that that's actually one of the more interesting things going into season three, because as Dana said, course correct is dead. Uh, Mecca is is gone, so it's a question of, well, you have to get a new connect, you have to get new product. Where are you going to get that from? And that that opens up a lot of possibilities going into season three. Uh, the other thing about them being connected is that 
and this is also important. By the end of this season, Sachs decides he's going to work with Jenny, and he's going to basically start watching closely Davis, Tariq, and Kane. It was mentioned in this episode that Jenny still has the Kane Tejada evidence that can go after him. So we know that for sure that's going to be one of the main things that happens next season now. So they definitely are still going to have to work together because, you know, as McLean said, if something happens to Kane, this can fall back on you. So Tariq is not out the clear yet. Yes, he got out of this case, but uh, now it's it's going to continue to get a lot worse because of the stuff that has to do with, with, with Kane. The other point worth mentioning is that uh, we do know that Davis McLean is still trying to get his brother out of jail. We know that the brother is dying. You know, I don't know if they alluded to what the brother has, but he did. He mentioned that the doc told him that his prognosis is not looking good, but he is trying to get him out. But Davis makes it clear he needs Sachs to be the one to investigate it and to make make that happen. Possibly because Davis is involved in whatever is going on with his brother as well. So he can't do it himself. So with all that said, it's going to be very interesting because, again, now that you know Sachs is working with Jenny, he's definitely going to be watching very closely to see how she is involved in all of this. I mean, I mean how, how what's happening with Tariq, what's happening with uh, Kane, and what's happening with Davis. And again, now that, as I mentioned earlier, now that we know that Sachs told Tariq about Dante it would be kind of ridiculous for him not to suspect that Tariq was involved in this so again it's a lot that's going to happen but but to answer the question yes they still need each other to an extent and I think that's going to be one of the more interesting things about season three because you have no idea what they're going to do in terms of making money and still being involved in the drug game so we'll have to wait to November to see I guess yeah yeah, great points. Uh, definitely bringing up sex as well. You know, that was uh, something else noteworthy to mention. Um, and I'm sure, you know, there might even be um, a case where, you know, uh, uh, Blanca actually goes to talk to Sax about what he knows, you know, um, when when she's kind of pursuing Tariq. So, yeah, some, some uh, interesting things can happen. I like that they're setting up also um, some sort of tension between Saxon and, and Davis in the future. And of course that involves Redman, you know, Method Man's brother, you know? Um, so yeah, things are like, uh, there's, there's so many different threads that, uh, make it interesting, you know? So, but yeah, great points on that. Um, I definitely think we'll see a lot of, uh, I think, you know, Monet's kind of showing that she, she really respects Tariq now, I think. She has a lot of like respect for him. Um, and she sees that like he's smart and you know, um, she sees qualities in him that maybe Kane doesn't have. So I think her her in particular, she is going to work very closely with Tariq, or at least try to. Um, but yeah, it's just uh the the other the other uh family members, I definitely see more interaction with Tariq and Diana in the future. I don't think that's going to stop. And, um, you know, um, Drew, Drew and, uh, Tariq, they kind of, they're kind of cordial, you know, they, uh, they're able to, you know, talk to each other and, and Tariq obviously knows about the Everett situation as well. So there might be some, some things that happen there, you know, maybe, uh, maybe Tariq can, uh, can, you know, 
use the Everett situation to gain some leverage against Kane or something like that somehow. But um, but yeah, we're, we're definitely going to see a lot more interaction because um, it seems like that, you know, um, and Courtney Kemp in particular, it seems like she has kind of made it to where Tariq and Monet are like the two main characters of the show. Like really, Tariq is like, you know, the main focus, but it's like Monet is also like an honorary, you know, um, second main character too. So yeah, I think based on that, we'll probably, you know, we're going to see a lot of intermingling between the characters still. Um, but yeah, um, where Lorenzo fits into that, that's going to be where it gets entertaining, I think. So, yeah. Um, so uh, let's move on to uh, Braden. Now, uh, Dana, you uh, you brought up Braden, you know, uh, the fact that he's gone to the hedge fund and everything. And that we might possibly see, you know, him him doing some things with Tariq there. So I wanted to ask you guys, like, um, working at a hedge fund, like, there's there's some pretty uh, scammy things that could be done <laughs> if you're working at a hedge fund. So do you see maybe Braden being like a source of income or source of funding for Tariq in the future, or or if not, you know, how do you see like their friendship evolving now? like based on where we're at because you know like rich said Braden has left you know he's left the school he's been forced out um and now he's working at the family hedge fund but he's still going to be in Tariq's life I think so how do you see you know their friendship playing out now now that they don't actually live together you know on campus anymore um so uh go ahead Dana what do you think of that You good unmuted yes sorry oh. um many people don't know well maybe do know there's a lot of drug money in hedge funding Yay. and that um they it you doesn't necessarily mean you have to do the street drugs you can do that lovely legal drugs too so that's where you can end up into something that's that's much more you know, profitable than something that's on the street. Means if it's the if this legal stuff that he gets into, what happens if he starts a whole drug ring within the company? And that would be hilarious. But I do feel that you know you're you're gonna need something to look more professional. And we saw how you know with Stan not Stanfield, sorry, with Stein, he was able to create fake names and businesses and say that he was the leader of something, right? I don't feel that Tariq has any purpose of staying on campus anymore. We do know that he needs a place to live and he needs something to be put under his name. That's where I feel that Braden can come in and help and they kind of build their enterprise from there. Um, I do feel that with much more money and cash flowing in, even though um, Braden never was someone who was poor or needed money to begin with, I think that this is something that can help him establish, you know, something, something more corporate in the dealing aspect. So I think that this can be a, just a more, this is an upgrade for everyone, him working at the boring firm, as he called it. Um, but it's going to present a lot of opportunities and even better clientele who can pay more because students, you know, even the elite, elite students, you know, you got to get, got to get some more money. So the parents of those elite students, <laughs> he can start selling to. 
Yeah, he he can uh he could actually become like the Jordan Belfort of a uh, power or something like. And for those who don't know, he can like, become Martin Scorelli. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Martin Scorelli, yeah. dude who drove up all the drug prices of like the cancer drugs and all the AIDS drugs and HIV treatments that you need, he drove it all up and he profited all the the the, the money from it. Yeah, he's in jail yeah, I, and everyone hates him. Yeah, they, they could do many things. I see a lot of potential for the character now uh, with that. And I, I think this is actually a good move to kind of, you know, s- separate him from the school. Um, and, you know, it seems like the show is actually ready to kind of uh, get a little, like, deeper and darker. Like, so, like, and, and we know that the characters are getting older, like the actors and everything. So maybe it's it's going to get a little slightly more mature. So I think it's great that there's a bit of a mix-up there going on and that Braden is now going to the hedge fund. But uh, Richard, what, do you have uh, any thoughts to share about that and what, what you think might happen with that? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Dana said a lot of great points on this. Um, I didn't I, I didn't really do too much research into hedge funds. I just know that, uh, that that was a topic of town when there was some stocks, some very popular stocks that was uh, – that you know we're, we're, we're getting a lot of attention last year. So, GameStop. Uh, I, I'm I'm wondering if they're going to put some of that material into this show. It won't be exactly the same type of stock, but they may have some type of mention of some storyline relating to that. But um, yeah, it definitely will give Braden a lot a lot more opportunities to do a lot of other things. We do. We also do know that he has another brother also that works at that hedge fund. So we'll get a chance to meet this other brother and see what kind of character he is. But yeah, we know for sure Brayden will continue working with Tariq. It's just a question of how they're going to be able to do it. And uh, who knows? I'm assuming. Yeah. It also, it, it, if you, if you're working in the, in this type of environment, you have access to a lot of people that have money. There may be some people who also sell drugs high-end product drugs that you possibly can also look upon to as need, needing somebody to work with. So that's a possibility as well. But uh, we'll see how they put that together. But go go ahead, Dana. No, I'm just also wondering what's going on with Dum Dum Trace. Um, will he <laughs> be more... I wonder if it's like in order to keep him from like dying, he'll have to bring him into the fold. Will you just result in him dying either way? Because I wonder how his attention is going to now be. Because, you know, Trace is a dead man walking. He just doesn't know it. Oh, Everyone yeah. else does. Um, so I wonder if it's just let him be or if he's going to try to protect him. He purposely didn't let him go on the stand. He knew that immediately they would pull the whole um, Nino Brown situation once he walked out of that room um, so I just want to know how that's going to be impacted or if we were even going to see Trace again I want to see Trace again I, I I think we will see Trace again if I had to make a guess I think Braden's test, uh, testimony bought a little bit of time for Trace but uh, I do agree this is a dead man walking because if he ever see Kane you know, anywhere out in the street it's a wrap for that for him so uh, he needs to be very careful, whatever he does, whatever he says, because at this point, he is a marked man. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely. That that's a card they can they can play later on. You know, the whole trace getting getting murdered, like 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he was talking slick at the mouth last week. So <laughs> so he needs to get checked for that in the future. Um but yeah, um can't wait to see what they do with the Braden character. Um, you know, he does play a big part in the show and, and of course, you know, he was the main reason the trial ended. So um I'm sure they have something special in store for, for the character um next season. So, um, and I wonder also how Monet, because Monet's going to find out about what he did, and so I wonder how Monet's going to react. Maybe she will bring him into the fold back again. Yeah, because they they did meet, you know, they met, uh, they had that brief uh, interaction. So, yeah, there's uh definitely a lot of possibilities there, I think. But um, but yeah, so. There, there's a, there was a lot of detail in this episode, so I'm gonna open it up a little, a little here, and uh, let you guys, you know, speak on some of the, the things that stood out to you as well. You know, there was also Tate, who, uh, you know, he managed to accomplish his goals in, um, you know, getting Sweeney out of his seat, and now he's gonna campaign for governor, and you know, he's he's bringing his brother on on board to be his security and everything. So, you know, that's another thing to to kind of discuss a little bit as well, but. You know, was there like anything in particular that stood out to you that you think is going to be a point of, uh, you know, a, an important point for the next season? Um, so I'm going to go ahead and start with you first, Rich. Um, anything else you wanted to mention? Uh, uh, yeah, I will just say um, the way everything concluded at the very end and, and, and what they were setting up for season three and beyond. I, I think I think we covered most of that. Uh, I will say in regards to uh, Redman, a.k.a. Theo Rollins, that's uh, Davis's brother. We do know that they revealed that the manslaughter charge he has is wrong. He's innocent and that there was someone else that pretty much did the crime. So makes me question who was that person. We know that uh, Davis McLean did not want to be the one to really get deep, deep into this investigation. So, you know, he's involved one way or another. But um, it just really sets up a lot of interesting things that's going to happen next season. And and Davis is going to have to watch his back as far as working with Sachs, because now, you know, Sachs is working with Jenny. And we know Jenny is not going to let the fact that she lost. She's not going to let that go. So now I'll be curious to see how that impacts everybody involved. Um, as, as far as other little details, um, I mean, I think, I think, I think, I think we pretty much covered a lot of, a lot of details in regards to the family drama that's going to, we're going to be, a, a take center stage next season between Lorenzo and Monet. Uh, of course, Tariq finding out who, what really happened to Lauren and who was involved in that entire process. And then of course, working with the Tejadas and the complexities that they're going to have working with each other. Um, and of course, Dana did mention, yeah, we saw a lot of them building towards the Tate Influence show. I have no idea when that show is starting because they do not have a date from what I understand, but uh, I think it may not be until next year because it feels as though they miss, may still have Tate involved in this show as he gets, you know, gets to that to that point where he eventually is able to run for governor. So he may still be a part of next season, I'm assuming. I, I have no idea. But um in any event, uh looking forward to what happens moving forward into next season. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, and yeah, that that's a good point. Like, I really want to know. Like, I think I if if influence was coming this year, they definitely probably would have announced it already. So I think next year, um, and I guess he's gonna appear in the next in season three of book two. But are they gonna handle his campaign run in book two, or is that gonna be saved for influence? You know, that's you know because well. That, well, well, that's why I say it, it's not really clear. I don't know if he's coming back for season three. So it, they could just go right into influence or he could make an appearance. Uh, I, I kind of feel, though, that for right now, this year is about the fourth show. They're heavily behind that show since that's also starting right now. So they probably want to make this focus on Tommy's show for this year. And then the Tate show, it may we may get announced. A release date might get announced later this year. But the show may not come until next year or something to that effect. I'm not I'm not sure, but it's definitely coming. And I think that they did enough this season to get you interested to see what what what's gonna happen with Tate when he has his own show. Yeah. Yeah, we're 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 gonna be uh podcasting uh all all through the year in twenty twenty three. So that that's definitely clear. But um yeah, uh Dana, any any other um you know, specific points you wanted to bring up from this finale? A couple things. One, I was slightly disappointed that uh, Miss Vanessa Edwards was not called Jill. That would have been a funny joke for those who watch Queens. Um, but I like that we was able to have like a little sneak peek in her life. I was not able to see, but she was studying something that seemed like it was regarding either financing or engineering, but she had like her computer out there and she had those were workbooks, like you're studying for something. So I was kind of just wondering, I'm pretty sure it was just a throwaway, but it was really nice to just see that she's still alive and living in the country and staring longingly at her photo of her children, you know. That was cute. Uh, one other thing I did want to mention was that um, the fact that with McLean and his brother, you kind of mentioned before that he was wrongfully put in prison. They're going to find out who the guy is. But it was really interesting that he said, I would rather um, I be in here and have to take my place. I really feel that uh, Red Man, the brother. Don't forget what his real name is in the show, but I really feel that Red Man is kind of also kind of protecting McLean from something, and it was kind of alluded to in the previous episodes. I would love to dive into that history and to know what's really going on there. I am. Um, I like the fact that Sax really opened up to Jenny, and Jenny kind of reciprocated. Um, he opened up and talked about his, you know, suicide, even though he was the one who planted evidence on James St. Patrick. I liked how he did was like it kind of felt like he didn't want Jenny to be pushed to that brink where he was because remember she was like we're gonna go after him again and we're gonna try it and it kind of felt like you will lose again and this is what happens when you lose it let's try it at a different angle and a different tactic and I'm really here to support you and she even said you're willing to give up your entire career because once you turn formant you know he's giving up his entire career and and the comfortabilities that have afforded him. So I like that relationship that was going forth, you know, from the beginning, it kind of felt like a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am relationship. 
you know, a hit it and quit it situation, but they seem to be really in there. I don't know whether or not I can fully trust Jenny. That's just my, one of my things. We know that Sax is untrustworthy, but he seems like he's trying to be honest. I don't know about her, but for her, I don't really feel that I can trust her. She seems to be like a person who's all for the win. And and because she's getting a lot of L's, she's going to take this tactic just so she can win something. I don't know if she really truly cares about him so much so. But I do like how they are establishing that and how now Sachs is going to inform on, on McLean and what's really going on. And we do know that he is a very um, shoddy, um, lacks any kind of morals when it comes in life, but especially with the with lawyer. And it made it very clear that, you know, he double dips. Remember, he, he was helping Kane and feeding him information as well as also working on Tariq. And it was like the same case thing. And so it just wasn't legal. And um, he threatened to, he wanted his money back. And he's like, well, go to the board. And the only way you could do that is if you admit that you was guilty the whole time. So he seems to be someone who, you know, find the gray line of doing illegal things and i feel that it's by him being informed on could also hurt McCle- i don't know whether or not he how the trial went with the, the first time with his brother but any kind that he randomly find help his brother maybe um could be thrown out i don't know how clean he's trying to keep his hands when it comes to his brother but and I do wonder how that will how that is going to affect McLean once he finds out that that is his brother trying to get out of. I wonder how that's going to affect Sax once he realizes that that is McLean's brother he's trying to get out of prison and whether or not he will sabotage that in order to get McLean out. I don't know. So that's just one of the things that was really interesting to me. Um, one of the other thing was that. Um, we talked already about the brother dynamic of Kane and Drew saving each other, but I wonder if he'll feel that he has to owe him. So he will, you know, certain things that he may not agree with, he'll just go along with just because he saved his life. So I wonder about that relationship. Um, one of the other things is Monet looked miserable sitting at that table. This is before she found out her son was dead. But she looked miserable as the whole family was like happy and like, yay, dad, we're together again. Family. Um, she just looked like the same miserable person that she looked when she saw um, Lorenzo walk through the door. So I wonder what she's plotting as well because her money ticket is uh, is gone. He's dead. Um, there's no basketball money for, for Zeke or for anyone else. And so Will she work harder to get away from Lorenzo? And also, speaking of that, Mecca had a bunch of bank accounts. And they were all bank accounts that were set up for everyone aside from, obviously, Lorenzo. Um, Remember when Diana was looking in the bag? And she was like, there's bank accounts in here. So I wonder how that's going to come into play. I wonder if that will mean that, you know, the feds or whomever is going to start looking into that. I wonder about the money. Will they try to go get the dead guy's money also on top of that what richard what else is in the bag it was more than just the engagement ring mecca's true identity and the people he informed on so maybe it's mecca's family i don't know i don't believe that mecca was completely 100 percent childless aside maybe there's something it on in episode in season three so that would seem to be very interesting because I don't, he may be dead, but his, the ghost of Mecca will live on. Um, 
And kind of lastly, Jenny is still obsessed with Tariq. And now that we have Blanca in it, you know, Blanca saw that whole tape with the grainy footage of like, oh, it's Tariq again. And she looked really kind of excited about that. So we have that going on. And then we also know that she's the one who's protect Lorenzo or at least she was the one that remember everyone was like why don't you just call for backup because since he was compromised um remember he wasn't even supposed to be in the country because he was just that big of a bad guy um and she was the one that he that he did call to be like I've been compromised help me I wonder how that will come into play and whether or not she will end up blaming um Mecca's death on Tariq and so that'll end up being a whole nother case that he has to fight. Because remember, it's double jeopardy. And the double jeopardy only falls for the whole Jabari situation. But you can try him for a different murder. So I wonder what's going on with there. And we do know that Jenny is still kind of obsessed with Tariq, even though it was um, Sachs who said, please leave it alone. She doesn't look like someone who will just leave it alone. Uh, so that seems to be like the main thing. Everything is just like, I wonder what's going to happen in season three. They did a really nice job of tying up things. And then, as you also mentioned, Sweeney and his brother, how that's going to go. They kind of walked you through the steps. He's going to take his seat and he still has to run. So the whole campaign that has to go on, I would like to see that. I don't really want, I don't know how much we're going to see um, in, in season three. Maybe we will see like bits of the campaign because remember how in, in the first kind of power iteration, we saw Tate running and I remember he lost. Um, so I wonder how if they'll kind of bleed that into it. So if he does win, that's when we'll pick up, pick up influence and everything that's involved with him. Uh, so that should be really interesting. But so far, I think that this was was pretty good. I liked how how they did this episode. They gave you what you wanted. I'm still convinced Lauren is not dead, but they give you what you. Want. Yeah. Indeed, uh, just just as I I believe uh, Ghost isn't dead, but you know that's just me. That's just me and the conspiracy theorists. So, uh, but yeah, uh, great great uh, points there. Um, and yeah, for me, um, just one more thing on Tate. Um, now that you know the Sweeney thing has happened, and you know it's obviously cost Sweeney his his seat and everything. I do believe that Tariq now has a favor he can call on, on, you know, from Tate now. Um, so um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if, if Tariq calls upon Tate in the future for, you know, some kind of specific favor, if he finds himself in some sort of trouble or something. Um, I, I definitely think these, those two characters, you know, they're going to have sort of a, a give and take dynamic. Uh, I think Tariq, we could even see him show up a lot in influence, you know, to some degree, because um, you know they he he owes him now. And then you know if if Tate then goes and does a favor for Tariq, I I feel like he's gonna expect another one in return as well. Like it's it's gonna go on and on, you know, because that's the type of type of guy uh, Tate is. You know, he's always uh he's always seeing what he can get from people, you know, and that's what politicians do. So. Um, yeah, um, I definitely want to see, you know, how they choose to, to play up that whole thing. Because, you know, if it wasn't for Tariq, you know, uh, Tate wouldn't have got, you know, in the position he's in now. So, yeah. But, um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, you know, 
definitely we we could go on and on like about possibilities you know we just don't know what's going to happen we have to wait until uh november unfortunately but um you know we do have a lot of great stuff to look forward to in between that as well but um yeah a uh, very interesting finale. I definitely want to see what the people have to say about this and about some of the things we spoke about. Uh, definitely leave your comments. You know, uh, we had a lot of uh, great comments last week from people, you know, with their theories about what they think was going to happen um, in this episode. Some of those things happened, some, you know, didn't. But, you know, that's what's fun about this, you know, just, just, just the speculation and, and trying to figure out where the writers are going. Um, so yeah, you know, I want to give a big shout to two stars and Courtney and 50 and, you know, the writing team, um, for this season of power book Two ghost, um, definitely had some, some very high moments, some great episodes some some, you know, very entertaining stuff going on. Um, so, you know, I guess to end this off, you know, we can go, go around and just say like, what was your standout highlight moment from, from this season? You know, and then we'll end off after that. So um, I'll go to you first, Dana. Do you have a standout moment at all or some, you know, just one scene in particular that really stood out well, to that you? Overall, that heist, that heist scene was just, it was brilliant. I really liked how they did that whole, um, it felt like good. Uh, so I just really, I appreciate that. I thought, you know, that whole episode just in general, because I kind of broke down the music and cinematography and how they edited that all together. I thought that was just very well. And it kind of showed the growth overall of power and how the show has evolved both in, you know, in talent and in money and everything that we storyline wise, what we've seen on the screen. So it's really just nice overall in general to see how far this universe has come. I know a lot of people were like, I don't want to see this, you know, at the very beginning, you had to fight me to watch an episode of power. I'm like, no, I don't want to see this. Um, but to actually be, something that you look forward to every week watching. Uh, so just overall, they did a really, really great job. Um, I like the growth of Tariq. I just overall in general, it's just not just from this season. Remember everyone started out like, I hate Tariq. Why don't you kill him? Why does he need his own show? Please let him die in this show to like Tariq really becoming his own person and to really standing out. And like real people are looking forward to watching Tariq in the show. Um, and he's, he has a great ownership of the character. He's been playing this for so many years. It started off really wonky, but he's been able to really make it his own and goes overall with the growth of the rating and the acting. He's done a really great job overall. And I look forward to what is to come. Hope he's not playing the role, you know, when he's like 40 and, you know, Omari's age. But just in general, I think that this is something that he, it, shows a really great version of this character so far and how much he's fighting to not be a repeat of his father and just also for the viewers to not see a repeat of what we've seen before. Yeah, excellent point. Um, so, yeah, um, the heist was definitely, you know, big, big highlight of this season. But, um, you know, I'll, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that my, you know, standout moment was probably the the revelation of of uh dante spears's character you know when he was face to face with Tariq, 
And that's just because, you know, me personally, I live for, for those twists and those like big shocking, you know, um, pipe bombs and stuff like in, in, in storytelling. Like I love moments like that. And, you know, this character, we, we, we watched him throughout the entire season. He played a big role. He was mysterious. You know, he had, he had the thing with Monet going on. And then uh, another twist that happened was that he was Zeke's father, you know, earlier in the season. And then for all of that to lead up to this, and then, you know, we get that, that extra twist of him being, you know, this secret agent, you know, snitch, you know, ex-military man, and that he was actually the one who, uh, you know, snitched on Lobos. Um, so I like that they managed to tie it into the lore as well. And then, you know, use that to bring back, uh, uh, you know, Blanca. So I just like how they played that, you know, that whole thing in that episode, because they, they really used the history of the show um, to kind of build up that character. Um, I'm disappointed with how he died, though, with how he went out. But but yeah, like that, you know, the scene with Tariq was definitely a highlight for me. Um, but yeah, so what about you, Rich? Uh, what's your highlights from, from this season? Uh, I agree 100%. The heist episode, that was the best episode of the season and possibly the best of the entire show so far. Uh, if I do have to talk about one highlight, however, uh, it has to be the last supper, if you will, of our the Tejada family. Oh, that, yeah. You know, so much drama because, I mean, they did a great job building to all of that. And then the, and it's not just the fact of the scene itself, but everybody delivered in that scene. Think about the funny lines that Kane had and, you know, about, about Diana messing around with Tariq. Everything was great. The reactions, and then you know, Monet talking about oh, I'm gonna kill you and all this other stuff to Diana. It just it just was it was it was just very well done. You felt the the drama, you felt the intensity, and there isn't one person that I know that saw that episode and was like, Wow, that was a fantastic episode. I haven't heard one complaint on that episode. Um, but yeah, that 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 had to be a standout for me for sure, for, for the entire season. Oh yeah, that's that's definitely up there. Yeah. Uh, th- those two scenes, I think, uh, like the heist and the the the, the dinner table, I think that's going to be a lot of people's favorite moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, definitely let us know in the comments, people. You know what your highlight was, also. But um, but yeah, uh, great great season. Um, I agree with Dana in the sense that you know we like when power the original power ended, we didn't want to see Tariq in a show. Like we, none of us wanted to watch Tariq. Now we do like now, and from what I can see, more and more people are actually getting into the show. Like people are coming back to power. People like the audience is growing. So I think you know it's amazing that they've done that. Um, but yeah, so you know, as far as for Power Book Two Ghost, we will be back covering that in November when the show comes back. Um, and yeah, that is going to end uh, this you know review of the finale. For season two, um, so um, Dana, have you got any shout outs before we end off? Um, yes, to, to listen 
to us um, for all of these episodes and this entire season. Wow. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, I think that we've had just a little, a lot of fun breaking down each episode and giving us our thoughts. And, you know, it brings more insight to what we think the writers were trying to do and accomplish. So I really just appreciate overall in general. Thank you for that. And also really quickly, power fan, if lights everywhere, Raising Canaan book two is uh, available now. So go get your copies if you have not seen Raising Canaan. I really just love how, in general, they're able to bring together the entire universe. I think it was explained multiple times that 50 Cent, you know, he's, this is basically the MCU of drug dealing. He's, he's it's true. Yeah, I, I need to buy that DVD myself. Like, I definitely, that, that season was great. But, um, yeah, for me, uh, big shouts to uh, Kwame, you know, uh, been you know, chatting with him quite a lot about power and he's very excited for this finale and this episode of Powercast. Um and uh yeah and uh he'll also be checking out Tommy. Uh also big shouts to Latrice, my friend Latrice Oliveira. You know, uh we got we actually uh the, the reason, you know, my name is the book two stylist is because, you know, we have a running joke that uh about the fashion in the show because like there's a lot of like luxury high end luxury fashion being worn throughout this whole season by every character from Tariq to Monet to Lorenzo. And you know, we joke that like uh, you know, like all these times they needed money, like they've got at least twenty twenty racks in their closet, like that they could like cash in on at any point in time. You know, like and and then also um Lorenzo, like when he got out of jail, they basically gave him like the street dude starter kit you know, with his fashion, like he was just wearing like every piece of street fashion possible. Like, so yeah. Um, whoever's the stylist for the, for, for this season. Yeah. They, they was like, they was picking all the best, like, you know, Louis V pieces out there. So, uh, shout, shouts to that. That was, that was hilarious, but yeah, shouts to Latrice as well. But, um, Rich, any, uh, any shout outs for you? Yeah, definitely give a shout out to all of the, Power fans that have been leaving comments talking about the show, and especially if you've been checking out the Power Cast, yeah, shout out to everybody, and, and of course our, our regular supporters, you know, Rainy J, um, Esther Negron. I mean, the list goes on. We appreciate all of your comments and feedback. And feel free to comment and let us know what you think about this episode and what you think is going to happen in season three, for sure. And we look forward to. The show returning, and of course, the Tommy show starting this weekend. Yeah, very much looking forward to it. But um, yeah, that is going to be it. Uh, definitely check out the the the, uh, the the Tommy the the Power Book Four Force recaps. You know that is going to be the transition now. We are going to be focusing entirely on that now. So look out for that. And yeah, we'll we'll see you over there. But for now, we're about to end off. So thanks for listening, everyone, and take care of yourselves. Peace out.